hey, hey, everyone. Welcome to the Ask LFC Podcast. Good to be with you today. My name is Harrison Gilney. I am the Worship Arts Director here at Lake Forest in Huntersville. I'm with Mike Moses, lead pastor of Lake Forest Church, Huntersville. Um, good, to, good to see you today, Harrison. It's good to be seen. It is like without a doubt. So I, Mike, I grew up, as you know, in South Florida where there is one season hot mm-hmm, mm-hmm. all the time. It's only ever hot. Every single fall when it starts to turn from 95 degrees to about 70 degrees, that's just my my happy zone, man. I love it so much. So I am feeling good right now with the fall weather cooking outside. Went to a college football game on Saturday out in the chill. It was awesome. Nice. Yeah. Uh, when we are three years in Los Angeles, uh, there's one temperature there, but it's a lot more pleasant than yeah. South Florida. <laughs> yeah. um, it was lovely, but uh, by the third fall... We were just yearning, longing for a changing leaf, a cool breeze, reason to put on flannel uh, and fuzzy slippers. In today's podcast, we're going to look ahead to the sermon series for October called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And at the bottom of this series are four um, tried and true, time-tested for 2,000 years, ways of applying some biblical principles for living the abundant life that are known as sort of the classical spiritual disciplines. And I want to trace to you a little bit of the root of the popularization or the normalization of talking about these in American Christianity during my lifetime. Just give a little bit of a background uh, before we jump into this series on Sunday. But first... Excellent, excellent. Yeah, we just real quick want to fill you in on a couple of things coming up right around the corner here as we're sitting down to record this. It is a Tuesday, September 20-something, at 27th, and a week from today. Today. A week tonight. from t- A week from tonight on Tuesday, October 4th, 2022, if you're listening to this in the future. Sorry if this is the next year. <laughs> it may not be happening in 2023. Hopefully it is. Uh, but we have some cool stuff happening with our... Uh, men's ministry and I believe women's yeah, it's ministry. Yeah, men's and women's night yeah. out. Yeah, that's right. Um, which is really creative. And I think they, but I don't think this was like some grand strategic planning idea back in June, uh, where like Jeff and Cami and Melissa and a few other <laughs> leaders were. Hey, let's, I think they were sort of both doing this night out, this night out, and they're like, "What if we combine it on the same night and we offer childcare mm-hmm. uh, on campus?" Which is great. So um, now we do want to give permission. If you are a man and a woman whose marriage desperately needs for you two to go off, deal with some stuff, check your child in. You can say, Mike Moses told me I could, and leave the campus <laughs> together. If you have a serious marriage conversation and you give me evidence of that afterward. <laughs> Otherwise, we just we're, uh, just want to form more connections. This is a, th- let me just be honest, pull back the curtains here. This is kind of post-pandemic shutdown church priority, which prioritization, which is reconnecting. And there's so many newer people at our church just slowly connecting into the relational fabric of the church. It was something that that was lacking of necessity in some ways um, for a couple of years. And we're just helping people re-exercise that muscle or do it for the first time. So Women's Night Out is at a restaurant, uh, which sounds like fun, uh, just placed around tables probably randomly. And then men are axe-throwing. Mm-hmm. That's right. And I need for some man, Neil Joyce, I'm looking at you to uh, best 
Pastor Jeff Cook at the axe throwing because it will be competitive. I'm sure that it will be. And Jeff has the advantage of having an actual lumberjack beard. So I feel like that gives him Mm -hmm. some extra aim or power. I think that's the only reason he won our staff axe throwing contest. We had our intern. This was last May uh, when it was hot as South Florida. I had sweat dripping off. For some reason, I did not change into jeans and flip-flops knowing it was an outdoor axe throwing. Mm. Um, and I think that's my excuse for not winning. The, the handle was slippery because of my sweat. Yeah, that's definitely it. That's definitely it. But I, I, I felt like a manly man, and our women felt like womenly women for sure, uh, hoisting those axes. So next Tuesday night, it's a Tuesday night because then that doesn't, uh, you know, Thursday night football, people who went to colleges and were in fraternities and sororities, even when they're adults, they start to think Thursday night's the weekend. That's Can't right. Can't do a church stuff. Yep, that's right. That's right. <laughs> I've got to get my stuff on, my party on. So anyway, that's pretty cool. Uh, we are kicking off the sermon series this Sunday with something that's very special, irrespective of the subject matter, uh, ruthless em- elimination of hurry. We're going to see some pictures and video of the first baptisms at our newest baby church plant, Lake Forest U City. Mm-hmm. I, I haven't seen it yet. I can't wait to see it. Um, uh, that's just how thrilling is that, that for those of us who serve and give at Lake Forest Church, to know that part of the fruit of our giving and our stewardship faithfully was the, the resourcing of this new baby church to serve a new part of our city, a, a different kind of population, the population that lives there, which is very multi-ethnic, and to see already people taking, adults taking steps of faith in Jesus for the first time. I can't wait to see that. And we're going to have one of the new key leaders at Lake Forest U City in our worship service participating with us. So you get to meet them. That's right. And if you've been here for a while, uh, it's a a person who has been even near and dear to us at Huntersville before as U City was in the launch phase, which we're really excited to hang out with. Tiffany led worship with us a, mm-hmm. a few times before they launched, in particular on that outdoor Easter Sunday, which will always be rem- memorable to me. Oh, yeah. I just, every, I, every time I think of Tiffany, I just hear, look up, child. Hey, it was fun, man. It was a good time. That so was... so we're excited to kick in this weekend, uh, as Mike said, with Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And at, we mentioned it briefly last week, but one of the reasons we felt like it was necessary and good and healthy to get into all this is just... What Mike was saying, we're coming out of the weirdest couple of years of of our lifetime. Of our lifetime, hopefully, hopefully that will be it, and we can look back on it. There will not be more weirdness in our future. But um, we're trying to all collectively figure out. Okay, so for two years or so, um, a bunch of stuff was shut down for a while. We were all remote at work. Our kids were remote at school. None of our our kids' sports teams were happening. Our our activities, our bowling leagues, our whatever the whatever the things are, they weren't happening for a while there. Um, and now it feels like we were remarking with our staff, even in our staff meeting yesterday. It feels like it went from okay, hey, nothing much is really happening, and then this fall, particularly because fall is the time where stuff ramps up. Anyways, this August September, it was just like all right, everything is back and it's full speed. There's no ramping up. It's just, you're plunging into the cold water just like that. There's, there's no lead in. And all of us are kind of collectively looking around, figuring out like, how did I used to do all this stuff? How do we used to manage this in a way that, 
didn't make me feel like I'm about to lose my mind or go crazy. So, so we thought ruthless elimination of hurry is, it was written before the pandemic. It's been a, uh, it's been a resource for a while, but it just felt extra. It just kind of felt like a layup, honestly, to Mm -hmm. us right now. Mm -hmm. So I thought we'd take a few moments and just, uh, you'll, Ruthless Elimination of Hurry is a title of a book by a, uh, a younger pastor that's been helpful to Christians around the country um, for the last couple of years. And so, so every now and then at Lake Forest, we just think, um, rather than reinventing the wheel, what if if the Spirit has really been using this, uh, including in my son and his wife's life, their community group hmm. at another church studied through this book. Then what if we what what if we look where the spirit's already at work instead of trying to invent our own thing, um, and let's just teach out of the Bible, but um, but congruent with that content the way that the spirit's really used it. So mm-hmm. so we're going to teach out of the Bible weekly <clears throat> on principles uh, uh, that translate into what have been uh, what are and we're not titling the series this because it still scares people today, the classical spiritual disciplines. Um, uh, that's in the end kind of the root. We'll be taking biblical principles like Sabbath, biblical principles like simplicity and stewardship, uh, biblical principles like silence, solitude, uh, and biblical teaching and translating them, uh, hopefully, into the most practical practices for modern life where um, we're not thinking right thoughts about the Lord, we're actually walking in the way of Jesus in a way that gives life hmm. to ourself as a single person who is tempted to believe the lie that we shouldn't have margin for ourselves because we don't have a family to take care for, or that that just gives more life into a family, doing all those things you just said, Harrison. Um, but that is a new thing, and still actually, that when you say the classical spiritual disciplines, there are still pockets of Protestant Christianity or evangelical Christianity, who will hear that and be a little suspicious. Is that a Catholic thing? Is that a like Eastern Orthodox thing? Is mm. that or or some? Is that an Eastern religious thing for, for folks who maybe don't know a lot about Roman Catholicism or devalue that whole tradition as opposed to understanding the faithfulness of the thread of the gospel and the practice of the way of Jesus through the two thousand years in the Roman Catholic Church, in spite of plenty of things that have gone wrong, um, just like in Protestantism. Uh, so I just thought for a second, I, as far as I'm aware, um, when I was a younger Christian beginning to train for ministry in my early 20s, it happened to coincide with this this fresh, uh, you could almost call it rediscovering um, of the classical spiritual disciplines in Protestantism. Protestantism. It's a hard word to say. Yes, it is. <laughs> and while while um, these are uh, again, you'll hear us refer to various. Uh, uh, the Catholic Church calls them saints. In Protestantism, you can just translate that to go. Oh, a Christian leader in the eight hundreds. <laughs> You know, in Ireland, if the word saint is offensive in a, like, oh, that means you're agreeing with Catholicism, that they're doing something in heaven to give you merit right now, just, you know, don't use that word. But we'll be referring to these practices that Christians have found helpful in the same way that Protestants talk about having a daily quiet time. Well, the word quiet time is not in the Bible. 
So you could say Roman Catholics could look at us and go, well, that ain't biblical. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, or an altar call. You know, that's not biblical. But the principle and the practice are the, the, the principle of spending time in your prayer closet in a alone space with God daily. That's a principle. The practice was one of Jesus almost daily. Yep. Both of those are found in the Gospels throughout the Bible. Uh, we could do the same thing with an altar call, for example. So these are things that are biblical principles and practices that just because there were for 1,500 years before the Reformation, there was one Christian church, the Roman Catholic Church, and so most of the best thinking for those 1,500 years, today we would look back and say it's Roman Catholic. However, that's anachronistic heresy. We would just call it Western Christian. Right, there was also a, a, an Easter brand of Christianity. And after the Reformation in the 1500s, when Martin Luther, John Calvin, uh, Zwingli, others, re- the, the gospel of grace had been so accreted over in what was the Christian church, now we call it the Roman Catholic Church, that, um, that, it's, that it did popular Christianity, and even priests were teaching it, you, you have to buy indulgences, or you have mm-hmm. to do certain things, say yeah. certain prayers, uh, or you'll lose your salvation, or you can't be saved, and it, as opposed to, wait a minute, Martin Luther rediscovered, it's by grace you've been saved by faith alone, not by any works, so that no one may boast. It's the gift of God. Um, and that was the great cry of the Reformation, faith alone, grace alone, Scripture alone. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so for, for those 500 years, Protestants have, have had a love-hate relationship with Roman Catholicism. And so anytime you've, we've gone to grab something, maybe that didn't originally come into Protestantism because of suspicion. Wait a minute. If Roman Catholics worship Jesus that way, would that mean if we did that, would we wind back up where they were in the late 1400s, which is a work-based salvation? Mm-hmm. And so we're afraid of that, things like uh, stained glass in a church building. So there are plenty of, you visit congregational churches, church buildings that are, that are colonial in New England today, or in colonial Williamsburg, there's no ornamentation. And that's that, again, was a uh, reaction against, and in some ways helpful. Hey, let's just worship God. You know, no, we make no images to God. Let's worship God alone. Yeah. On the other hand, <laughs> there's been uh, quite a recapturing of no, no, no. Beauty, visual beauty in worship is actually good. Uh, our senses of beauty are to be are part of being a whole human being in immersive worship. That's an example. Okay, Harrison. Am I am I on a rabbit trail or on a soapbox right now? No, I like it. I'm digging it. I I, I appreciate it because this is not. Th- these are the things that uh, you in your role, not only as lead pastor of Lake Forest Church, but also as Doctor Moses uh, jumping over at Gordon Conwell from time to time, uh, have time to uh, think about and unpack in ways that uh, a lot of us, myself included, don't think about a lot. So it's super interesting to me. So. <clears throat> Classical spiritual disciplines like silence, solitude, simplicity, Sabbath, uh, Sabbath. Thank mm-hmm. you. Um, uh, have been. If you go back and read like the great Protestant missionary era, I, I was reading. Uh, I'm reading this great book about leaps forward in Christian mission through the centuries. And Hudson Taylor in the mid 1800s, in the church I grew up in, he was a hero. I read his autobiography when I was a teenager. 
and he would not say, I practice silence and solitude, which would be the classical way of saying it. And yet he gives, he records his own fervency mm-hmm. of up before the Son and anyone else because he has to have his time alone with God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And mm-hmm. he's on his knees fervently seeking for the salvation of the Chinese, that the, that the gospel key to their culture would be unlocked and they would see the beauty of Jesus and salvation by grace through faith alone in Christ. And so he was practicing silence and solitude. He was in solitude. He did it every day. It was silent except for his own talk with the Lord. But he would never have called it that. Now, fast forward, and, and I'll do this part rather quickly. What is given credit for uh, the modern, now this is very common within most Protestant, including Protestant evangelical, or I might say historically orthodox Christianity, um, is uh, this is now commonplace to consider. Cammie Howard leads one or two dog days, day alone with God, days alone with God for women every semester. Andrew Ruth is going to start doing that for men hmm. here at Lake Forest. And that's pre- predominantly learning how to approach the Lord in silence and solitude and be comfortable with that. It's been wonderful to see busy Lake Norman people set free. They were like, I was scared to do this, Cami. I resisted it for four years. Hmm. I came for the first time. And it completely changed my walk with God. It's like I went from um, being a four-gear stick shift spiritual person car to a six. Now I have six gears. Hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I mean, and as you talked about on Sunday, this is a this is a really center cut, uh, not being conformed to world, but transformed by renewing of your mind because the every everything is everything around us is saying go 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 it literally literally uh maybe it's an american thing but we literally kind of believe time is money <laughs> like yeah. it's like there you don't have time to to spend on stuff like that you need to be doing quote unquote more important things so yeah it's it's difficult for a lot of people at first to to even face that because it feels weird to slow down. Mm-hmm. So in the mid, so out of the cultural turmoil of the sixties, we've talked about that on this podcast in the past, out of that cultural turmoil, <clears throat> we talked about one of the things the Holy spirit did redemptively in the seventies was the Jesus people movement. And that shook the church in a way it, it, it shook the Protestant church into being open to new ways of approaching God in our daily walk with him and in Sunday worship. It shook it. Uh, a second thing that happened at, at the time, and, and I, I don't, Harrison, I'm just wondering, was the church in general, the American church I'm talking about, Protestant, did it just become open to new voices because of all the turmoil in the 60s mm. and the sense of, oh my gosh, Christianity is probably going to die uh, because women aren't bring, wearing bras now or whatever, you know, all the stuff in the sexual revolution. Yeah. Um, but one of the things that happened is two Roman Catholic voices broke through into the Protestant publishing world and speaking world, Henry Nouwen and um, Brendan Manning. Mm. Uh, Henry Nouwen, as a Roman Catholic priest, a, a, a single man, uh, who uh, be, was both a mystic known for 
his own vibrant walk with Christ and speak. He wrote about it in ways that are almost Protestant, personal relationship with Jesus. And that was, he was one of the, he and Brendan Manning were one of the first people that Protestants like me saw as, oh, I recognize that language. Yep. Um, which, by the way, I recognize in St. Patrick's writings all the way back to the 5th century, he could have been a Protestant Presbyterian pastor, the way he <laughs> writes about Scripture and faith and prayer. But except um, Brenna Manning and <clears throat> um, Henry Nouwen wrote about it, how though, however, with a completely different slant because they have been informed in Roman Catholicism, uh, informed by a, we might say, a, a, a more... Um, uh, if you train for the priesthood, it's it's a little bit more like being in the military t- style training of drilling and just long term formation rigor than Protestant. Hmm. I took a bunch of classes while just being a normal guy. Training for the priesthood is a very different experience. Um, so th- th- so they came at it slant, uh, but both of them what. People, this is starting in the mid-40s. I'm holding this book. You can see how old this looks. It's older than you, Harrison. It's called Out of Solitude by Henry Nouwen, Three Meditations on the Christian Life. I have an, uh, an early copy. It was published in 1974. And, and he, he bursts out of obs- obscure Roman Catholicism to, to American evangelicals. His voice was heard, however, because he had become a professor of philosophy and religion at Yale and Harvard. Hmm. You pay attention to someone like that yeah. who is a believing Christian hmm. and talks about Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. <laughs> How did that happen? So American Christians, certain circles, sub-circles, paid attention. And his the way he would speak of going out into the desert like Jesus as the, the root, the hmm. core rhythm, uh, speaking this into a culture that in the 70s, that was, again, the aftermath of turmoil, the beginning of a culture of self-focus um, and nar- extreme narcissism, which continues to flower today, et cetera, et cetera. Pollution was at its height. What are we doing to our world? All these kind of things. And he, he recalls. Um, and, and then Brennan Manning actually left the priesthood because of his multiple struggles with alcoholism. Um, also led him to an expression and experience of grace. Uh, alone as salvation, not works because of his inability at times to conquer that by himself. He also felt led to marry a woman, and that's why he left the priesthood. Both of their writings became and so when, um, became influential. Where this really took off, and I recommend anything Henry Nouwen or Brenda Manning have ever written to you all. The Ragamuffin Gospel was a book that—, that changed my walk with Christ in college just was in like, college <laughs> at it, Liberty College University yeah yeah blew my mind it was awesome I loved it um, in 1978 a book was published that really uh, set the Protestant church on a course to really embrace the the classical spiritual disciplines and practices as handed down to us by spiritual fathers and mothers not just whatever the last generation did. And it's a book called The Celebration of Discipline by Richard Foster. Uh, the Celebration of Discipline, subtitle, The Path to Spiritual Growth. Now, here's another interesting thing, Harrison, that um, uh, he also had another voice that felt a bit slant to modern um, 
Protestants. Richard Foster is actually a Quaker Christian. And there's parts of Quakerism that have gone off into, similar to a lot of mainline Protestant denominations that are um, not quite orthodox in their biblical Christianity. But, but much of Quakerism remains uh, anchored to, to biblical doctrine. And Foster's part of that. And he published this book, The Celebration of Discipline, um, um, focusing on the inward disciplines of prayer, and meditation, the outward discipline of simplicity, and the corporate discipline of celebration. And, and he just talks about how, and he's not afraid to use this word discipline. You hear that title, the celebration mm-hmm. of discipline. This is, and discipline by nature is something you do. It's not something you, you have a, I've got a right conviction, therefore I'm a good Christian. I have, right, no, I have more knowledge than other people about the Bible. I'm a good Christian. Know that the path this is the subtitle to spiritual growth. Is actually the celebration of discipline, the practices, the repeated practices in the way of Jesus. And that was quite a, a corrective to knowledge-oriented discipleship in early to mid and late 20th century Protestant evangelicalism. Um, you get that. Now, I'm not going to go into the content of this book. I, I, like, devoured this book. I was given it uh, in college. I actually I was given this my sophomore year in college, and there was a freshman who asked me to mentor him because I was oh so older and wiser. <laughs> Jonathan from Boston. His dag was named Fenway. <laughs> it's the first time I got to know that whole shtick. Yeah. Uh, and Jonathan and I would sit and, and <clears throat> on this, this green hill, I'm imagining a fall afternoon in Williamsburg. We'd sit outside the football stadium in William & Mary, and we would just talk through a chapter of Celebration of Discipline. Mm. I'm thankful for that influence on my life that whole year um, of its, its pract- regular practices, just like a, a, in any sport, hones the skill, hones the freedom, right? It's hard work in the moment, and, and that's where you can mistake. Oh, wait, you said work. Is that how we're saved? Is God going to like me better? No, but if we do the work of the practice— then we have more freedom mm-hmm. when the game time comes to just let go, let the spirit and preparation take forward and perform in our life, in our marriage, in our parenting, in our work, in a way that the discipline has prepared us to then be free to act out of that. Yeah, I was just going to say not unlike, not unlike a discipline of physical exercise, um, you know, that, that, yeah, that practice of, you do it uh, so that you are prepared when the moment comes that you need to use strength. Yes. Now, what I was going to say was one of the next uh, most important books that was widely read was by Dallas Willard, a philosopher, again, at a secular university, USC, Southern California, mm-hmm. for decades and decades, but a, a man of Jesus who embodied, the, brought these practices to bear uh, his he had a follow up book after celebration of discipline. It was widely celebrated. Everybody loved it. The counter reaction within evangelicalism was, "Wait a minute, discipline!" And when I've taught it here, I've heard this from some of our Lake Forest people. We emphasized this especially about eight years ago. You're telling me it's a works based, you know, salvation or a works based discipleship? No, no, no. Um, uh, it, you know, it, and so Willard published the the next really widely read book, which was called. 
uh, the spirit of the disciplines. Hmm. So instead of the practice, he talked about what's the spirit behind it? What's the grace given that's in Scripture and then in historical experience? And to this morning, Harrison, when I pulled up my Dallas Willard book, I, these are three of the books that are uh, in my 100 favorite, which are in my home library. And um, when I pulled it up, you know what? Richard Foster gives credit to Dallas Willard as his mentor. Willard was just an unknown, but Foster was a disciple of his who first popularized it and then introduced Hmm. Dallas Willard to the world. The last book I'll mention, the most now popularization of this in the wider evangelical world was in mid-1990s. John Ortberg published a book called The... uh, Shoot... I couldn't find that book this morning in my library. <laughs> he, uh, it called the, and this was one of the third sermon series of Lake Forest Church's history in 1998 was on this book, and Harrison is feverishly Googling. I'm trying to remember which um, one it would be. It's called, and, I, and it got the spiritual disciplines into really normal, Ortberg wrote it in a popular way. Uh, Foster and Willard's writings. I gave our elders in the second year of our church, Harrison, I gave this book by Dallas Willard called The Divine Conspiracy to our founding four elders and said, we're going to study this weekly this year. After three weeks, they looked at me and said, Mike, at Bob Evans, exit 18, Mike, we're not reading this book. None of us has any idea. (laughs) I told you he's a professional philosopher. It, It was really written more for like, uh, pastors and such, a, a lot of Willards. Is it the life you've always wanted, the spiritual life. disciplines for ordinary people? That would be it, there you John go. Ortberg. And you can hear in that title, uh, The Life You've Always Wanted, Spiritual Disciplines for Ordinary People. That book caught on fire and was a gift to the Christian world. So hmm. I hope this sermon series, you all, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, is a gift to every one of us as we apply biblical principles and practices observable in Jesus, his behavior. Mm-hmm. And we combine those two powerfully for more of the abundant life in a hurry-filled world. Look forward to it this Sunday. Bye. Can't wait.